Season 4, Episode 6, Methane Moments in the Work-Life Cycle. And a warning, a fatality and suicide are discussed in this episode. We're all human, Alan explains, even during our methane messaging. As he details the new story of US Biden administration's climate envoy, the idea of messaging led to Trio's era's expansion on the Why Work podcast vocabulary to consider words beginning with the letter M. After Alan introduces topics on mining, Sarah recalls a visit to Mackay, the Resource Centre of Excellence, and the amazing work that they do for the physical model of an underground mine. Alan suggests another case of interest to inspectors and others, the WorkSafe Vic charge involving the Victorian Building Authority when an inspector committed suicide. And Sarah describes life cycle ergonomics. Alan asks about a more graceful transition plan for loyal and long-term employees. Hello and welcome to the Why Work podcast series. You are listening to Trace Vetkovsky, Sarah Pazell and Alan Girl. Now, I do believe 2024 is the year of the letter M. Yeah. Tell M. me what's M. M. Me, 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 me. Using Unfortunately, the, there's too uh, much no, organizational no, strategy with that. Uh, no, yeah, using the, the definite article, the, the message. M is for message. Do you know, you can, you can make it a double M. No, M&M's. M&M's. M&M's, you can make it a double M. It could be methane message. It could be John Kerry's speech. Oh, 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 you're ruining my moment, but yeah, it's, wasn't that, your wasn't mama, that mama ridiculous? Moment, your mama moment, your mama moment. The material it, message and oh, tell us about oh, how embarrassing. Oh, we know, uh, no, everyone but it's knows. so human. Have you listen to it. Oh my well, goodness! Well, no, you can. You can listen to it. It's on really? the internet. I didn't Imagine this. you you can have all these achievements in your life, magnificent achievements, and one fart. But he's going to be remembered. Tell for everybody that about one the story. Encapsulate. Oh, he's he's um, he he was very passionate in giving a climate change speech, and then adjusted the sort of crescendo when he was most passionate. He let one go. It was all that intra-abdominal pressure. Right? Yeah, you get excited, it was. right? It probably was, but it was quite audible. Oh. So there you go. Methane messages, I, I Trace. Think, I, I think the word I used, Sarah, when I think I think you must have texted the message right. to us. Yeah. I think the used the word was it was almost perfect. It was almost perfect. And look, look. and the, think of it. Just I, I, I have to say I have thought about in the past. How does a poor president? How does anyone of significant power and influence, knowledge, and truth, as you talk about, that's followed by bodyguards all the time? Whether it's the royal hold family, hold it in three hundred and sixty-five days. How do they hold it in three hundred sixty-five days? How do you do that? Limo, that limo must it's be just how, disempowering, isn't it? Just, just shows you we're all human. We're all, all too human. And it's a very human experience, Correct. right? And yet you've got bodyguards around you all the time. There's got to be so many stories from bodyguards who have yep. helped. Embarrass, you know, cover embarrassing situations. I'm oh, sure of the people that they're protecting. Oh, I'm, I'm sure the non-disclosure uh, contracts would descend <laughs> into that type of particularity. I reckon when you get to that level, you are not to disclose any emissions or any noises <laughs> to that effect, or something like that. There'd be some lawyer who'd work it out. But let's get back to the letter M. Okay. M is for message. And of course, immediately when I think of that, I think of Melly Mel and Grandmaster Flash. Remember the message? What? The very first hip hop song oh. that charted don't push me because I'm, I'm close, close to, to the, the edge, edge. Yeah. of trying actually when I think about it of trying not to lose my head that's a really good <laughs> euphemism <laughs> for psychosocial hazards don't push me because <laughs> I'm close to the edge but anyway that was the message 
And then, of course, I think of, you know, a police message in a bottle and so on and so forth. And it got to me, to my way of thinking... It's, it's got into your mind. It's got into my mind. That's right. Is that a song? It sounds like one. But my way of thinking is this. When we, we talk about consultation, we talk about communication, aren't they, aren't they being contained within a vehicle? And, of course, that vehicle <laughs> is the message. So if you get the message across, then you are communicating effectively and you are consulting as per your legal obligations. Uh, so I want to focus on how are we travelling with getting the message across about just creating better and productive workplaces. So I'm going to focus on the message. You've got me thinking about Madonna and the material world now. Yeah, see? we're gonna. <laughs> I would like our listeners to think of all the songs that inspire them at work that start with the letter M. Not number one, number two, like the count. Now, look, so there's a really strong Sesame Street theme next. I, I we're going to focus of... on M. M, M. Well, look, can I just give you a... Quick, uh, a quick case for all our mining friends out there. Oh, Another air mining oh, industry, yes, mining yeah, industry. We've had quite a bit of in- interest from Hence the mining I sector. Was, you were Sesame Street. I was kind of like Kermit the Frog and Piggy. What Muppet was show. It? Mupp- the Muppet Miss Show. Piggy. I just wanted you to say it. Little Miss, Miss, little Miss can't be wrong. Little, and Little Miss can't be wrong. Sarah, so here we go. Tell us about mining industry, Alan. Uh, so it's, it's a case about OM Manganese okay. Limited. So there's lots of M's there. I'm loving this. And uh, Open Cut Mine, the mine superintendent, uh, um, unfortunately, was tragically killed in this incident. So what had happened was... One of the high walls in the open cut mine, it was uh, there was sediment slipping, and mm. so he went down to inspect it. And then while he was inspecting the high wall, it gave way and buried him, uh, which took his life. Mm. And as a result of that, this mine was in the Northern Territory. They were prosecuted, and the fine was four hundred and eighty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. So basically half a million. So for those people in the mining sector, yes, there's some very big fines being imposed um, by today's standards and lots of M's. Mm. So this is undertaking work near or around um, unstable dirt, unstable land, ground that people knew or ought to have known. But don't we see it it a lot where there's been Mm. some sort of change in the operation? Mm. doesn't matter what the business is. Mm. Something's changed, something's new, and that's... I don't know about you, but I've seen an enormous number of cases where at that moment in time, there isn't the proper risk assessment and the proper care taken. And that's getting back to Sarah's... continual design changes at work because yes. the realities of work change. So enduring. the custodian, in, uh, EI, the enduring impact of your design strategy, and are you set up to have custodians or stewards of mm. whatever you've put in place for your design strategy? So this yes. is an ongoing assessment it, and it, interventions yes. and systems of detection. You know, all of those aspects allow you design opportunities. I wonder in that case... For me, it, it's a, it's such a foreseeable and obvious case scenario. I don't need an expert to tell me this. On dirt that's been moved around, the likelihood of that type of risk fructifying is very high. Okay, so I, I wonder, is that a recent decision? Is it this year? Yes, yes, so, very recent. Alan, this is this thing I, I always talk to Sarah about. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Recently, you've been putting up on LinkedIn and you've been texting us and emailing me, oh, another amputation, another finger, another um, unguarded item of plant case. 
I said to Sarah, isn't it amazing that we're still getting cases? No, it's stupendous. It's Mm. mind-boggling. My my very first things that I cut my teeth on, you know, Mm. 20-odd years ago, I said to Sarah, Mm. and here we are, people falling off the edge of roofs and people still losing limbs, and yet we've all got, got this pedagogy around, I guess, Sarah, ourselves included, all these people with PhDs, with all this knowledge, people are still losing fingers. I don't get it. It's mystical. Do you like that M word? It's mystical. And we have to be more mindful. Mindful. (laughs) You realise after this episode, my Sharona. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I was just in this M city of Mackay, right? For a mining event, and this was hosted yes. by the Resources Safety and Health Queensland, and there's a stupendous centre, right? The if you if you want to go into a simulated underground mining scenario, the Resources Centre of Excellence is there. Okay, do tell RCOE. So. Here's the fun thing. You can yep. go in for parties now. The community starting to rent these out. We've had queries oh. there apparently for uh, like Halloween parties. But you go in their basement of their building, mm-hmm. if you large space, and you're in a mock underground mine. The so mine there's shaft. roof bolts and there's, you know, a, a, a bunker. You're like, yeah, that's right. If you um, want to get the real feel and it's hot, you feel the heat how, in there. How deep? How how down yeah. how far low how far it's the basement of a building, but the how sense of it's low ceilings. There's you know yeah. uh, roof mm-hmm. bolt, bolts around, so you can understand what it's like to install. There's little you can mimic emergency response events, yep. and some mines will host training so that their team have to learn what it's like to be in there for twelve hours a so shift. Talking meters, how do we know? It wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. Though, it's just. It's just when you're a in a mine, an underground mine, you could be close to the surface or deep in the earth. You. It still uh, looks the same. How deep? Because well, I have a story when I was in Moscow. Another uh, M. Oh, go from Moscow. I'll tell you about Kazakhstan. Yeah, go on. Yeah, sixty meters down a bunker. The bunker was built at the height of the Cold War. And it was built for Stalin, but he died a few months earlier before he got to visit it. We were down there 60 metres. So the subway, I think, is about the metro, is another M, is uh, 20 (laughs) metres. Is this when you used to work for the KGB? Uh, could we edit that? But uh, as we're going down, 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 and you're getting pretty scared. It's 60 metres, and you walk in, and it was for all the presidents, for all the um, cosmonauts, it was this huge party bunker. Uh, we were served cocktails. So now it's like oh, a tourist thing. So that's what, this is that's what triggered 60 that. metres. Because I was and talking about parties in this underground uh, simulated course, mine, right? But I'm thinking, all right, we're down here now. Are we going to get back up? I'm obviously, but hey, your phones don't work. And here we are in the heart of Moscow, Bunker 47, I think it was. Anyway, you just brought back that flashback. There you and, go. Uh, yeah. So tell I, us about this I was deep mining. going down in deep, deep underground mining and... and it's not as clean as a simulation center because there's mud and glush and your galoshes are just covered, you know, and you're trying to walk through and there are rickety little ladders to climb up. And as we're going mm. initially down the shaft, the guy that says to me, oh, where you stand? We have fatality four months ago. <laughs> I said, oh, good, good, good to know, good to know. <laughs> and as we keep going down, we've just finished all our orientation and, you know, you have your self-rescuers that you're supposed to carry and keep on hand. If at any point you need some oxygen and there's a collapse, and you know, as you've just described. And this big Kazakhstani guy says, 
I will carry for you. I said, no, 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 no. I, I, I think I'm supposed to carry that on my person. And he says, I will carry. I said, no, no, really. I'm supposed. So here I am chasing like ankle biter next to this guy. Right. I would not let him leave anywhere near me because I absolutely wanted to stay close to my self rescuer. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> and they had what's what's funny, though, is they had some equipment that was hundreds of years old. You know, I'd set text things to, I uh, was a student still at my PhD uh, with the University of Queensland Sustainable Minerals Industry Institute, and I was texting some photos later after hours or emailing and saying, hey, you know, w- w- what about this? And they're like, wow, I haven't seen that for a long time. And yet at the same time, this center, Los Comenagost, had the most premier simulation center with mining equipment simulators and psychometric testing that uh, you were talking about yeah. earlier, Trage, that should, could be useful to look at personality profiles yeah. of all kinds of people potential to work in this underground mine. And I remember on a whole nother level, I remember going to the hotel and wondering how my toilet flushed. <laughs> like, because... There was this yellow panel behind the toilet, and I thought, okay. And behind the toilet was a door, and I'm thinking, is that going into an ensuite to somebody else's room? How does that work? But when you turn the door handle, that was the flusher. Oh. <laughs> oh. That, uh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> mm, very. Uh, it so always took, got flushed. I got took photos of that. Okay, but, so with but mark, back yes, to so RCOE. So all it okay. is is just a. It's their training center. So yep. our event for the Queensland government, mm. they were just hosting this at the center and while i was there i said you know with uh karen from real serious games she's they've yep. been developing some work with extended reality at the center the center has relationships with research centers and with many minds and we just made a point to say hey let's go check out what the center does and when you're talking about disaster management i start thinking also about who's operating the control room and What's happened with the design of that control room? So the people who must convey and communicate messages for your M word, Mm. material messages, manage hazard responses. Mm. They've got to have the right information coming to them at the right time uh, with an adequate response time and an ability to communicate to everybody. So there's a real heartbeat of mining and Mm. a lot of serious heavy injury in uh, industry is the control room manager. And a lot of times it's a forgotten office space, sometimes not well designed, and people are working incredibly long shifts. There's a lot of fatigue Mm. that can arise and you've suddenly got to be on when an emergency comes. You've really got to understand a, a response. It's got to be part of your habits, your fabric of your being to respond adequately. Okay. All right. Now, I've got, a, I've got another case, and I'll throw it to you, Sarah, at the end. So you've got time to think about it before we get there. Uh-oh. So, um, again, for our uh, mining inspectors that are listening, but not just our mining inspectors, other inspectors and mm-hmm. and generally our, our listeners overall, there's a, a prosecution has commenced in Victoria. It hasn't concluded, so I'm not jumping to any conclusions, mm-hmm. not saying anyone is guilty or not guilty, but it's really interesting. So what works at Victoria which is the, probably the lead agency for looking at psychological injuries. They have just charged the Vil- Victorian Building Authority and it would appear that Victoria is also the lead agency for charging other government agencies. But um, the charge is about an inspector 
who was at the end of his career, he was he was he was being given a redundancy. So he was being finished up, mm. and the. Victorian Building Authority knew that that was going to be highly stressful for him and unfortunately he took his life uh, as a result of anxiety and depression Mm. and on the back of that, uh, WorkSafe Victoria has charged the Victorian Building Authority. Now again, Mm. um, the charge may not result in a conviction but it does raise a couple of really interesting things. We really look at the tail end of a person's work life And when we talk about design, we often think about the beginning. We don't think about the end. Mm. So, yeah, what do you think about that in terms of designing the end? Designing the end? Yeah. Explain. Well, here we've got a worker who's um, uh, getting a redundancy. Mm -hmm. And we all know that redundancies, even even for people that welcome in redundancies, it's still difficult at a psychological level. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So should we be designing that process to make a, a better end? It's a really yes. good point. So I talk a lot about life cycle design, and you'll hear about it if you're thinking about structures. People think about it with capital equipment, right? Everything from your design and construction, your planning and your commissioning, operation, use, maintenance, but then also what happens with decommissioning and recycling and sustainability. Mm. A lot of thought goes into that because of expensive capital equipment and sometimes building and structures. Not always done incredibly well and it's something we need to to always look at. But we forget that for the human experience. So I often try to prompt businesses to think about from hire to retire and every junction in between that, even though it's not exactly linear, we might move through our careers Mm. in a circuitous way and have different experiences that seem to transpire in almost circular ways. Um, You must think about that life cycle of the worker and who's vulnerable in your workplace at any point of journey mapping. And journey mapping is a really important design strategy. Too often we do that for external customers and businesses. So if you think about banking, finance, or even the example of the school uh, and the student experience or the parent experience, with everything you do with a customer experience, you could do a shadow journey map to think about the worker experience as they have to support that process to be effective, you could think about a journey map for the maintainer's experience to maintain environment, system, structures, whatever, technology to support that experience. And you can use a journey map to also think about the management and the governance and all the decisions they need to make. And if you start journey mapping it, you're getting mm. little junctions. So it gives you some empathy with the entire experience of everybody's role. And you're just talking about the entire employment cycle. So, yes, I would say absolutely there needs to be consideration about who's vulnerable in your business, what tasks must they do, what's the context of their work, whether it's the social milieu or the physical environment and the conditions of work, the environmental press and how demanding that is and what's happening all the time until their departure, particularly since we can get so smart about intellectual property. If you have to just think about it in terms of a business sense, that material girl sense, what will you do with that intellectual know-how before somebody departs? And is there a way that you could 
be more gentle in that departure and supportive and have them continue to mentor people. So what's their role change if they're just no longer a full-time worker, right, structurally, but also intellectually and with the sense of love for the sense of goodwill that you give in your business? Because what you do for a person affects their relationships at work but also at home and in society, how they how they feel well supported. Mm. So yeah. 100%, I agree with you, end of life, if you will, in terms of a life cycle, would be great to think of everything graceful. I had a, a yoga instructor once say to me, wouldn't it be amazing if we could treat our relationships like we need to do effective yoga practice for physical poses? And I said, what do you, you know, you try and think about that. And it's about entering a pose with grace, mm. living in it, and sitting in the asana, the pose with grace, and exiting the asana in a graceful transition and it's the exit part that we usually get wrong yeah and that's the it's interesting certainly as you were explaining that just thinking of the people who i know very well who have been given redundancy packages and interestingly very generous ones when you look at it on paper and it's it struck, still stressful isn't it it struck me there's still that bitterness and the resentment and you could easily patch that by doing what Sarah has just suggested in terms of exchanging some of that body of knowledge, that mm. corporate know-how, yet it's done clinically, methodically. Of course, there's the offer of some support, but it's all tick boxing. I do think, generally speaking, organisations either don't do the exit part well at all or they get the exit part wrong, and that's sad. So I'll be following that case with absolute interest because that could be a game-changer for organisations. If, if that gets up... Mm. Sadly, it costs someone's life, but you will find some type of change management in place. Someone will suddenly go, you know what, we need to take that exit part a little bit more seriously. Well, I don't think it's going to be long before the other states start following Victoria. Yes. yes. And we'll see more yeah, the, action the exit, on that front. And you just touched on something, that there is a rich body of knowledge. I can only imagine just how much information that fellow had. So p- apart from that, there's that idea of put duty of care aside, just that common good, that dignity of the human to actually say, you know what, this person's going to be really, really distressed. I'm reflecting on a couple of people who, who've just gone mm-hmm. through this process. And so whilst the package was good, um, they're, they're okay with their super, it's happy days, but they still felt very hurt. So whilst yeah. it was done with, with, um, with fairness in terms of fair work provisions, they still felt aggrieved and a sense of loss. And you want to feel valued, don't you, of everything you've contributed. And I think yeah. it really is a model for other people saying, well, they were they were valued, therefore I feel valued. Yeah. If I watch somebody being devalued, I think, oh, pff, yeah. why bother work so hard for anyone else then? Because they're not going to appreciate what I do. Look how they just treated Bob down the road, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. a massive issue it's, and often not recognised. It's a big statement, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know what? It's, it's actually an excellent topic and I'm so glad you've raised it. The rhetoric, we'll call it that, the, the current push to have people staying longer in workforces or, or, or reintegrating workforce part, you know, based on age, that seems to be inconsistent with some of the, uh, the way in which these decisions are being handled by organisations. So on the one hand, you have the state saying, hey, man, look, look after your, your, your older workers. They're states people. They know stuff. But yet it's, uh, you're well, out. But as you said earlier, socio-politically, 
yeah. economically, if you just think that is the driver for our values on health and performance, yeah. economically, the government's like, yeah, no, Do extend it. your retirement age because that's better for, for <laughs> us if you keep working a little while longer, right? There's a social political influence exactly. now to change that retirement age yeah. with the, the price of economy. So then the care factor has to come in to help support that drive, right? There is a drive there. Now, you, you know, in New South Wales, they've just come out with the new psychosocial hazard work redesign tool. That sounds cool. Yes, yes, they yes. They freed it. it. <laughs> yeah. Freddie T. It's not, not a good acronym, but... Uh, you but know, the, they're working on it, right? Yeah. So the Psychosocial Hazard Work Redesign Tool in New South Wales, and one of the main coordinators of that, yeah. Dr. Carlo Capinecchia, uh, also contributed to a book that we will publish soon on healthcare insights, and he's been leading the ISO standards and the codes of practice and a lot of work on trying to get more recognition for psychosocial hazards. I know now, him. You, I met yeah, him. you met I, Carlo I, at the Human I, Factors I tried to high-five him at the airport, but he was on the phone. But I was going to say because he's so tall. Right? Well, I couldn't reach. That's right. I'm so short. No, I tried to high-five, so instead I, I just went to the Cooper's bar. But anyway, that's it. <laughs> No, no, he no, got, too much information. No, he looked very busy, but yes, the, yes, so, I mean, tell us about it. And so you've heard me rave on and on and on yes. about work design and work redesign and needing a design factor. So, and a lot of codes of practice are very much anchored to that first pillar of those three pillars. Again, mm. workplace protections, people and culture. And the third pillar I keep saying is design to mediate uh, good work design in business. So that third pillar gets lost, and a lot of our codes of practice are anchored in that very first pillar, which they must, you know, correlate to the law for workplace protections. And they always talk about that risk management process where you just identify hazards. And you've heard me say, oh, gosh, here we are hazard hunting again, because Mm. hazards only make sense if they're considered in context Mm. to the task, to the person, to who's vulnerable, to what's happening. But most of our codes of practice say, let's identify the hazards and uh, consider the risks. Well, we've got to understand what what is our business objective first? What does the business need to achieve and then to consider who's helping to advance that and what tasks must they do, what's the context of the work, their environment, then you contextualize your hazard, your risk assessment, and also your consequences, because the cases you guys are bringing up to point are not just risk-based, they are often things that are improbable, but could happen, so there is a consequence to consider, right? The fatalities that you're talking about. Mm. So this tool then starts to... I guess, bridge the gap a little bit. And yeah. it's still foundational. It's still fairly basic if for an organization just to start to understand what that means by work design. Mm. But it's sort of a, a tool that you can fill out that talks about a work redesign process to understand the workplace in its context. I would add, understand your business purpose before that. Identify psychosocial hazards in your scenario. I would say identify the tasks and the people doing them and then the context too. Then it talks about redesign work to control hazards. Well, you don't necessarily start redesigning the work until you understand what who's at risk and for what mm-hmm. to happen. But there's so I would add some steps if I was helping to facilitate the implementation. And then it talks about planning to redesign. So there's a whole stage in work design discovery, design strategy, 
how you engage people and the methods that you uh, use and it talks about building a business case. I agree. And I think you also have to understand mm. the gaps in a business and how what good looks like, what those gaps would be like to bridge. So I'd love to flesh this out. But it is a really good next springboard step to try and make codes of practice come alive into the dynamics of your business. And there's little pop-up menus to prompt questions, you know, consider this, write this, here's a tip, fill out these boxes. And it starts with, you know, what's the basic description of your workplace? What's that mm. context? So it's very much it's got a whole, some, whole, got of pers- whole of worker approach. The whole of- it's, it's got some basic foundations to start prompting, think Prompt. about design. It, it, so yeah, I just want to let people know it, it's out there. It's freely available. Sure. Uh, I think if you want to really have a sophisticated mm. approach to mm. this, you need to drill deeper, more yeah. expansive and have a more targeted focus. But it's certainly now starting to talk about occupational science of people, their environment, yeah. the occupation itself or the task and their performance. And you'll start to see that in this little uh, blossoming, there's a little picture of a flower, This, these colors of mauve and purples and and uh, uh, aqua blues to try and prompt you to think about is, processes, systems, equipment, etc. Is, is that the best feature of it? The flower? The colours, the mauve, the M, the M mauve. Is that, is, is that, is, is that, okay, I'm no, just no, curious. It's useful for, for a business that's immature in these yeah, processes yes, to start changing the way they think and yeah. and and it's like you said, Alan, hang on, the law isn't yet asking for us to do this, but if you do this, you're still in compliance with the law very much, so why yeah, not keep but, going? You know, people should remember, uh, particularly when it comes to standards and all, all this guidance material, another way of saying this is this. Here's your baseline. If you do anything above that, which is what you're um, advocating here, the law gets very excited. Judges are particularly excited when they see there is a certain standard, AS1309. But you say, oh, no, 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 no. In our defence, we've gone way above that standard. That just that more. bottom line. So I would say to you and all the human factors peeps out there, you're actually way ahead of the curve. You're not looking at this as a static one-off incident. You're actually looking at things in, in a greater context, business needs, business requirements. If you can demonstrate, I am doing more than the law asks me, that's a beautiful thing. Would you agree, Alan? Mm, I agree. Well, you're yes. a defence mm. lawyer. Mm. You'd agree. It helps with that community goodwill. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And yeah. so if we just think of those those three pillars again, workplace protections, people and culture and design, you're getting, you're starting to see people move from workplace protections mm. to say, hey, uh, I know that we better understand human organizational performance. So you're starting to get two pillars. You're starting to get uh, workplace yeah. protections and people and culture. And there's that morph, right? But they ha- they must not forget the fundamentals Correct. in the first pillar. You can't just, it's you can't, it. each one is not enough in and of itself. They are useful when they're all combined, Right. And so then you're seeing, on the other hand, you've got design, you've got even interior designers, design strategists who go, hey, I'm making some decisions that influence the idea of of life management at work, right, and branding and culture. So now you've got designers on that third pillar starting to broach, again, that middle pillar of people and culture. But the argument that I'm making is 
each pillar is necessary. The one that gets forgotten most is probably left on uh, yeah. is on that design. But you need human factors and ergonomics, human-centered approaches to mediate all three. And you cannot yeah. forget about the fundamentals of law. So how much are we talking about in distributed workforce management? That, That's hang on, it. there are some real legal issues to consider. They yeah. can't just go, this is a nice to have for everyone. Shouldn't we just yeah. have love and flowers at our feet? Well, you know? I've got a better way of explaining it. Why would you just settle for a vanilla ice cream cone when you could have a triple raspberry, raspberry swirl? swirl. <laughs> You get what I, let's put it in the context for our listeners. Why would you just sell? I mean, there's lovely vanilla, don't get me wrong. But when you're going for the raspberry swirl, perhaps chop little ripples guilty. in between. I plead guilty. Yeah, we've got a photo of, of Alan having raspberry swirl but, ice cream. That's yeah, all. And, we, and, we've and, got and, it. And that's the way I see all of this. It's like, why just settle for what the standard says? Great, take that. Let's upsize. Let's upscale. And we're getting in say. this idea of distributed workforce management, and we've been sharing articles among one another about the fact that there are mandates now and a rebound the other way to come back to the office, right? Yes. So you've got the work, the authority. I'm going to use your term, that yes. authority, the Wizard of Oz saying, Speak. Uh, speak, the authority. <laughs> and then you've got... The other faction saying, oh, no, isn't it wonderful to be so flexible? Mm. And I think, again, I say context matters and the three pillars must be considered. Not yeah. one pillar will not hold that structure by yeah. itself. Yeah. And again, it's all back to communication and mediating a, a desired outcome. Emotional. It can be done. To enduring impact in your design. And <laughs> love is the message and the message is love. Remember that song? <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Trage, Sarah and Alan. And if you really enjoyed this show, share this with a friend. Submit your five-star rating on your favourite podcast streaming service. Keep listening and send in your stories. You can email us at hello at whywork.com.au. And of course, sign in to our newsletter. You can head straight to our website at www.whywork.com.au. We can't wait to learn about the trouble you've seen in the workplace. And remember, none of the things we've talked about today should be construed as legal advice or any other type of advice. We're just here to talk about all things related to work and we hope you enjoyed as much as we do. We love it. See you next time.